0: Hey y'all, good morning and welcome back to a Saturday, May 28th, 2022 edition here on the Chase Thomas Podcast. A little bit of a late start this morning, but uh, it was a late night last night as the Tennessee Volunteers took care of the LSU Tigers uh, by a score of 5-2 to two behind uh, Chase Dolander uh, and 9Ks, just a great evening uh, that went into past 2am and then right in my, my recap over at Sports Renaissance Man um was uh it was a it was a late night but uh go check that out if you've not already done so uh chased uh sports renaissance type in your email and uh, subscribe so you never miss any of my written content including a lot of Tennessee coverage so sports renaissance band read uh, my recapper uh, this morning that would be great share it out tell a friend all that good stuff uh, you can watch this program at uh, on on YouTube youtube.com type in the Chase Thomas podcast you'll find us there uh, tweet at me at Chase underscore Thomas like the Facebook page at facebook.com slash Chase Thomas writer email me at Podcast at gmail.com uh, part one on today's show, we're going to have three parts here on the Saturday program. Part one, we got Go Big Orange Friday uh, with Ryan Schumpert of Rocky Top Insider and Ethan Stone now of Five Star Preps. Uh, but yeah, all right. Uh, Uncle Darren, let's go. Chase Thomas podcast. The Chase Thomas podcast. Um, my nephew needs me to record. See, I hate. I
1: already hate it. I hate it.
0: All right, we're back here on the Chaseless Podcast, the Go Big Orange Friday, Friday afternoon edition of the podcast. Ryan Shumpert, Ethan Stone here as they are at this time every week. Ethan, good afternoon, sir. How are you?
1: I'm doing great. I just came back from Murfreesboro and attempting to cover high school sports. The rain is is putting a damper on things, but but yeah, yeah good weekend for me so far and uh, ready to watch some baseball, I guess, tonight Not at all
0: there you go have you seen any crazy fans because i've seen uh, a lot of high school baseball fan parents have been losing their minds as of late it's playoff time in tennessee are they losing it
1: yeah the the, the few games i was able to cover on wednesday i i can report that yes that that is accurate that they're kind of insane as of right really now, over over just little stupid stuff but but no it was it was fun for the most part people are civil but you, you got a few guys in there that
0: do you remember when we sat together for the central Oak Ridge football game this past year and I that do. Oak Ridge super fan in front of us? Yes,
1: absolutely. They were going insane. They love their Oak Ridge. I mean, them and Clinton bowl, that must be a thing, but
0: <laughs> I mean, it is a rivalry. It's a big time rivalry going back yeah. years and years, but what was he saying? Um, uh, you guys are awful, I think is what he kept uh he kept yelling really loudly. I think it was I have a video and I don't want to go through it, but I recorded it, but the man was yelling at a lot of a lot of teenagers uh throughout yeah. the course of this game. You guys are awful is I think uh what he was ultimately saying over and over again but uh it was crazy when oakridge won that football game one of their three victories on the season um also here uh with the 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 what is it called the not afternoon glow what is it uh what do they call that uh time of day where it's uh it's like around five o'clock what is it it girls Gold, talk about golden hour the golden, golden hour. hour. That's what I was talking about. Yeah. <laughs> Ryan over here in the golden hour outside of uh, Hoover, Alabama with the trees in the background. He's like, Hey guys, not to brag, but I know, I know trees and I know how to make this thing look good. Um, There you go. Ryan Chumpert live from Hoover, Alabama. Ryan, how's it going, sir?
2: Pretty, pretty good. Uh, I might, I know how to make it look good. I don't know if I'm going to be able to make it sound, sound too good because uh, I'm, just that intro, We, you guys were cutting in out on me, so hopefully I'll be able to hang in here, but enjoying a week of baseball that has finally begun, and uh, I think we got the bad weather past us, and excited for what should be an awesome, awesome environment tonight between Tennessee and LSU at the Hoover Met.
0: Yeah, I mean, 9 o'clock uh, game, and I was telling Ethan before we get started, LSU loves to throw out a lot of different pitchers, and uh, Jay Johnson's a very analytical-driven manager, so I think this game's going to be well past midnight before it concludes would be my guess is this is going to be a twelve thirty one o'clock ending would be would be my guess but we'll see tonight um we'll see and we have some baseball stuff we'll get to in a second but i want to start uh triple j and santi are back here in knoxville there we expected both to come back but until it's done you still can never be 100 percent certain so vescovy and uh jordan james are back uh for rick barnes next year in two critical starting spots. Ethan, what uh, what does this mean for the Vols getting both back for next year?
1: Yeah, it's it's like you said, it was expected, but it's nice to see it i, I guess officially official. Um obviously Santi and JJJ, they were going to be Two of the veteran guys, two of the more important guys on, on the returning roster, and it really ups the potential of this team from being a top twenty-five to a top ten, legitimately. Think, you know, you can you can work in however you want to there, but we should have a pretty good squad returning next year. And it, I, I think it's good for for and, and for Santi as well, um, just because they were probably going to be late second-round picks, maybe a little higher with how uh, Viscovi can move off the ball. But I think it's going to be really good for them. I think another year in, in this system and maybe another year uh, chasing titles will will be good for them in the long run. Ryan, what do you think? Yeah, I think especially what Ethan said about Josiah, because we saw
2: a different Josiah James the second half of last season than we saw in his first two and a half years in Knoxville. And if he can replicate that over a full season in a year where certainly Tennessee has a bunch of other offensive options, but it's not going to be the Kennedy Chandler show kind of like it was last year where he was facilitating everything. And if, Josiah can repeat what he did for a full season I think he's definitely a first round pick I mean what he can do he's just a modern day NBA player with his body and, and how he can defend bigs and guards and then if he shoots like he did the second half of the season where he was a 40 percent three-point shooter dude's gonna play in the NBA for a while like he has that game so I think it, it to me it was a no-brainer for him and I think for Muscovy is good too and like Ethan said I think this is without a doubt a top 15 basketball team a team that's going to be on the fringe of the top 10 preseason, have a chance to play its way into the top 10 and a team that's going to be able to compete for the SEC and what should be a really, really good co- conference with, I think both Arkansas and Kentucky kind of unanimous top five teams going into the season. Uh,
0: Ryan, so Cade Phillips, he uh, turns his back on his uncle Brody Croyle and company, a classic heel turn from, uh, from Mr. Cade Phillips, but he, he chooses Rick Barnes and Tennessee, um kind of caught some people by surprise uh obviously both his parents are alabama alums he's from jacksonville alabama big 2023 grit get 2023 get and phillips to 20, the 2023 rick barnes class um what do you make of the fit and uh how excited should fans be about kate phillips starting things off here in 2023
2: yeah i remember talking to him back i think it was after he visited for the arizona game in december mm. and kind of asking him about that and his his family, and he was like, Yeah, I really wasn't even an Alabama fan growing up. He said, If I, I would watch sports, but I was always a guy that really preferred to play sports. And he said, If I had a team, it would be South Alabama. And I think that's where his mom worked at. And that was always a funny quote. And yeah. I think when you look at it, a fit, I think he's a perfect fit in Tennessee's system. He's an interior scorer who has the athleticism to play on the wing. His shooting is really still has it to be developed from the three point range, but a good 15 foot. Uh, mid-range jump shooter and that's everyone I've talked to him about him on the AAU circuit says his ability to play with physicality and to play in tight spaces is really really impressive down low something you don't see from a lot of uh, guys in high school I mean I think Brandon Huntley Hatfield is a great example of that where he was a big recruit and he had the physical accolades but in the AAU and the travel basketball circuit he played on the perimeter a lot that's not Phillips he plays down low and I think that kind of one fits in perfect for what what Tennessee style is and I think two just at 6'9", as kind of a power forward and not a true center, I think made him a not very good fit for Alabama's system and really lended, lended itself to Tennessee being able to get in and win
1: that battle. What do you think, Ethan? Yeah, I'll I'll say it was surprising to me, but Ryan hit most of it on the head. He's, he's going to be a, a solid power forward, a guy that can probably protect the rim as much as he can uh, score inside, but... Uh, Ryan really hit it on the head. He's he's not too much of an outside threat yet. Obviously, that'll probably be developed at some point. But he, he's a nice he's a nice fit, especially aside of Waka, who may may reclassify. You know, we we're not exactly sure what's going to happen there. But it's it's a nice starting piece, I guess, to the 2023 class.
0: For sure, for sure. Well, we'll see ultimately what uh, the rest of this class looks like. But Barnes has got a lot of time, and uh, I think uh, this is just uh, the starting point for another great class for next year. Um, In terms of football, Memorial Day weekend, holiday weekend uh, coming up uh, here uh, in the United States of America, and we have a gigantic Memorial Day Palooza, I forgot what they're calling it, something Palooza this weekend, is it Rocky Top Palooza, what are they calling it, does anyone remember how they're branding this weekend, something like that, Um, but a lot of guys coming in, highlighted obviously by Nico and Francis from IMG, um carnell tate we talked about last week will not be here he came in uh the week prior for the georgia game and got a lot of one-on-one time with the coaches and uh made a lot of sense to give him kind of that uh you know that full focus and not put him in the mix with everybody else but there's a lot of dudes coming in this weekend even more than i think we anticipated a week ago uh ryan what do you make of all the names that are popping in this weekend and do you think there's a chance that we see someone commit after it's all said and done
2: yeah, I mean, there's not like a person right here on Friday that I would say is on commitment watch. Mm. But when you have what seems like 30, 35, 40 uh, recruits in the 2023 cycle on campus, and then when you look, to me, the most impressive part of it is the percentage of those guys in are blue chip recruits. Mm. I don't think you can you can truly rule it out. But to me, I think this weekend is more about, for Francis, for the two guys I talked about last weekend that I was really excited about, Vic Burley and Chad and Bradley, getting deeper and deeper in those guys' recruitments. Uh, I think Francis was reported that he's going to come back sometime in June as well for a visit. So to me, this is a, especially for his recruitment, it's a really good spot for Tennessee to start building some momentum. And maybe when you get to the, a lot of these guys like that summer commitment, when you get into June to be sitting in a good spot for him and maybe trying to to wrap things up when he's back on campus in the summer. But, uh, you know, wouldn't be surprised if someone commits, don't expect, you know, any name off the top of my head, but just the amount of big time recruits that they have on, on campus makes this uh probably the most impressive recruiting weekend since Josh Heifel's been in,
1: at Tennessee what do you think even I'll second his last point um I'll I'll say one guy I think is pretty interesting just because Tennessee doesn't have a running back commit in in 2023 as as of yet Jeremiah Cobb I think is a pretty interesting name mm. and and going back to what Turning Ryan you back on I, Deshaun Bishop I, I, we'll talk about him in a second I'm sure but but going back to what I said I, I <laughs> I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't say that anyone's probably going to commit, and I, I wouldn't know truly. But I, I'm very interested to see what Cobb, I guess, takes out of this weekend to add to the guys like like Francis. And obviously, you'll have a, a bunch of current commits. I think Ethan Davis is going to be there. Nico, obviously. So it's going to be. Man, Ryan really hit it on the head because it it really is the biggest. I guess the biggest deal that that Josh Heupel has had since since he's been here, and just to have all those guys to get the presence and and I guess get tennessee the idea of what tennessee is under their belt that's that's a big thing obviously moving forward
0: i bet you they really if i got uh goalish on the record here he'd be like man whatever we could do to reclassify ethan davis to 2022 uh that would be great because man they uh they're still extremely thin at that spot and we'll talk about that uh, when we get closer to the season but ethan davis is uh he's a big recruit that no one's really talking about yet but i think he's gonna be a critical piece to the the future core uh in knoxville i i would guess ethan davis is an athletic freak and he came from the powerhouse collins hill that i'm very familiar with back home in uh, gwinnett county georgia and he played with um obviously travis hunter and those guys but what a talented group because it's him hunter and then uh, sam horn who is on his way to mizzou but in terms of all the guys who will the big namers who will be there this weekend so uh Look out for this uh, Vol Nation because it's going to be Bryson Sanders, four-star offensive lineman, Lucas Simmons, four-star OL, five-star Vic Burley. Um, that's a big one on the outside because this team, they need uh, as many edge guys as humanly possible, and you hope that Herring uh, can do uh, a lot of work on that front. Uh, as we already talked about, Francis Ma- Mauyaga, uh, Chan Davian Bradley, another big name, five-star, who talked a lot about Tennessee, uh, local Missouri kid, but... Seems like he's uh he's he's a pro- if I we had to pick between Bradley and Burley, who's more likely? I would say Bradley at this point, based on their comments and where they're leaning. But and who else is also in the mix? But you got Rico Walker, another four-star edge. You got uh, uh, Keldrick Falk, another defensive lineman. You've got um, Ethan Davis, who will be here. We talked about Caleb Herring will be back on campus. He's already committed. Uh, JUCO defensive lineman Elijah Davis, Mississippi guy. Um, John Slaughter will be there uh Deshaun Bishop who uh Ethan Stone recently just dismissed altogether and then uh Aiden Russell uh, offensive lineman he already uh committed and then one that I think who is a quiet like guy who I think is a glue guy for this class is Jack Lettrell who apparently does not go by Lettrell uh out of Colquitt County Georgia uh he was there with Nico in uh at the Farragut scrimmage and he seems like he's just like the recruiting guy like he's he's just gonna be the dude who all the high profile recruits enjoy hanging out with i i don't know what it is but it seems like this guy's gonna pop up with all the other five stars um but i don't know everyone's talking about nico his impact worth the recruiting but it seems like jack is putting in the work and everyone picks jack when you read their quotes about who they talk to the most from tennessee's 2020 class it's it's jack but is there one name that i just listed that jumps out the most to you ethan
1: not particularly. Of the, it's, It really is just incredible that there's so many guys when you really yeah. put it into perspective while you're listing off all those dudes. Uh, I mean, Sanders, I, I guess, would be kind of interesting Just get some help on the offensive line. But but I, I wouldn't say any of them specifically jump out to me. I think it's more the, the bigger story here is just having all the guys on and having – uh, you know, like you said, Jack and, and Nico and all those guys that have already said, hey, I'm doing this. Let, let, let's let see who else we can get. I, I feel like that's the more important part of it. And I, I talked about Jeremiah Cobb earl- earlier. Obviously, he's going to be there. I think it's just really important to be getting a running back in the system. And, and I know we're going to talk about Deshaun Bishop. I think he would be a pretty good fit as well. But, but that's really what I take. For him. Uh,
0: Ryan, in terms of Deshaun Bishop, three-star running back out of Carnes. Uh, he's a rising senior local kid. What's interesting about him is I wonder because Michigan state who's in on him uh, and there's another bit, I think it's Purdue who's also been in on him uh, to this point, but he's someone that the Vols it's like, I don't know. Like, do you think that they should prioritize him more because Hey, you just need bodies and you need to get a commitment in the 2023 class. And he's just right there. It feels like for the taking, or do you, he, you just hold out for a guy like Webb? even though it seems like he's trending Florida, but you don't want to get burned, and then you want to see Michigan State swoop in, and then Webb commits to Florida, and then you're like, man, uh, we may have should have just shifted our focus to to uh, Bishop. What do, you, what do you think of the strategy there in terms of recruiting at the running back spot for, for this class?
2: To me, it's as simple as if you want to take one or two running backs. If you're okay taking two running backs, I don't get why you wouldn't but mm. the, the full court press or, or really go hard after him after Bishop right now. Uh, Cause while well, Tennessee is after a handful of other top running back recruits that are higher rated or higher recruited than Bishop, like you said, uh, Webb web uh, to Florida doesn't seem like they're the leader for any of those guys. None of those guys are locks. doesn't mean they mm. can't get one of those guys, but if you're comfortable taking two, uh, I, I don't, it's not like you're going to, it doesn't seem like they're going to land two of those top guys. So I wouldn't understand why you wouldn't go after Bishop. And now if, you only want to take one and you're hard set on taking one, then I think you stay patient with it because I think Webb is slated for a June decision and you try to just kind of slow play Bishop. And, and once you kind of figure out about that, you figure out a couple of your top guys and you can go a little harder after him. And like you said, you're leaving yourself the risk to have someone else scoop in and get him. But I think that's just natural in recruiting. And to me, the Bishop reminds me a lot of, I think his name was Elijah Young, the running back at South Doyle a few years ago, who was a Mr. Tennessee uh, football running back, kind of smaller guy that wasn't a, a huge recruit because of his size and kind of projected it maybe at the slot, maybe at running back, but just has absolute dynamic ball skills and is an a- absolute stud in, in high school level. So to me, that's kind of a natural comparison to make, and Tennessee never went super hard after Young, That would have been back in Jeremy Pruitt's tenure, but uh, to me, it's all about kind of if you're wanting to take one or two uh, running backs.
1: Ethan,
0: are you willing to walk back your anti uh, Deshaun Bishop bias?
1: Oh, I've never been against Deshaun Bishop. Uh, that That is definitely not what I'm trying to say. I am trying to say, though, Michigan State and Purdue, I believe they both already have a running back on the roster for the 2023 class. Hmm. Um, now, we we are we're not gonna be able to get into the mind of Deshaun Bishop, but you would think he, like Ryan said, is is kind of a Tennessee lock at this very moment, right now, barring anything else happening. Um I know obviously Tennessee uh we're talking about Caleb Jackson is is a possibility. we I'm blanking on the name the guys you guys were talking about, Webb earlier. He's a hmm. possibility. Cobb is a possibility, but none of those guys are locks. So just kind of to piggyback off what Ryan said, if you're OK taking two, Deshaun Bishop would definitely be a good option. And not only at running back, he did a little bit of everything for Carnes and, and the games I watched for him. He's he's just really a dynamic athlete. Obviously, running back is his uh, strong position. But but that doesn't mean that he couldn't move around uh, a little bit to how goalish and how hype will, uh see him fit. So yeah. Uh, I feel I feel like it's kind of at this point, it's something that's already going to happen uh, that uh, unless something else happens, Bishop will probably likely be coming to Tennessee. It's just a matter of does Tennessee want to take him uh, alongside another one else? Maybe maybe considering how this weekend goes, maybe considering how the running back room plays out for the class of
0: 2023. Yeah. Uh, In terms of Tennessee baseball, they uh, they bury the Vanderbilt Commodores for their fourth win over Vanderbilt this season. Uh, ten to one. What uh, what did you make of last night's beatdown, Ethan?
1: I mean, when you're getting Ben Joyce out uh, late and and you're you're beating on a team ten to one, especially after all the rain delay, especially after everything like that, like you said, fourth time already this season, it's 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 becoming just silly at this point what what Tennessee is doing to these opponents. And, and uh, I mean, obviously, it was just a pretty complete game. I only watched a little bit of it at the end. I was traveling back from Murfreesboro. Um, but I was able to get a, a pretty decent amount of it, and I, I believe I turned the television on right when Trey Lipscomb had uh, the little blooper to third,
0: the bare hand, and, yeah, yeah, In the fifth, right yeah. over,
1: and I was like, okay, that's 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 a pretty good, uh, I guess, uh, summation of of what Tennessee has been doing, especially if the score is eight to one at that point, and then obviously they added on a couple more. It, it it's just it, it's a, it's a bright spot. You're looking up to see Tennessee is. Prepared for this, and, and that they're they're not going to back down from even even if they've already beaten Vanderbilt three times this season, they're just going to keep going, and, and I get taken serious
0: Ryan, uh, how much do we uh, lend Tennessee's beatdown to uh, against Vanderbilt to what happened in the top of the third inning, where Blade uh, got a strike three call and it was not a strike three call, and then uh, missed again, and then Frank Anderson proceeded to lose his mind from the dugout. And Blade stared down uh, the umpire behind home plate that ended up in a walk. And uh, ultimately, he's able to go to the inning with the strikeout with running around first and third. They avoid it. They're still up 1 0. And then the bottom of the third, the, the lead just it, the bottom of the third inning is when everything just completely blows up. How much can we uh, credit the home plate umpire for what happened in the bottom of the third inning?
2: I don't think much. I think that's the <laughs> The hitters being really, really good. And that mm-hmm. that's all that happened. I mean, to me that was the story of the game. It is what Tennessee got from top to bottom in its lineup. Eight different guys drove in runs and Jarrell Ortega and Drew Gilbert really, really set the tone. But I thought it was impressive for Blaine Tidwell to, to go through some adversity and to work out at that jam. And it wasn't his best outing of the year, but he, he continually fought through it and got into the fifth inning. And I think if this was a regional, he probably would have by tello Frank Anderson would have given him the right to to pitch through that fifth inning and try to work through it, but instead they just stopped him at seventy five pitches. But as good as he was at Mississippi State, he's really only had one really strong start this year in that game against Florida. And I think Tennessee wants him in the starting rotation in the NCAA tournament. So I think that was huge to get a really good start for his momentum going into the tournament.
0: Yeah, and I uh, I also loved Mad Drew Gilbert in the broadcast. They don't know what to do with Tennessee because they I think they respect it and. Um, it's one of those things where Frank getting extremely mad blade staring down the ump and then, um, Vitello and just their, their nature. It's a confident bunch, but it's also (laughs) when Drew Gilbert got called, uh, I I forgot, was this the top of the fifth, maybe where, or bottom of the fifth, where Drew, uh, gets called, uh, (laughs) strike three on a ball that was so away from the plate, like just low and away. And Drew Gilbert was just like the death stare from this man. I, I thought uh, that uh, like after the blade snafu and then to have drew just like, are you out of your mind? Like Tennessee just does never take their foot off the gas. It doesn't matter that the game was basically already out of reach at that point. They were like, no, I'm drew Gilbert. I am batting close to 400. You still have to call the game the same way. And uh, this, the ball, it was a clear ball and it was just way away and he completely missed on it. But you, they showed uh, in the dugout, like not too long after He's still just fuming and just roaming around, just fuming. It's like he's already knocked in two runs on the day. Tennessee's already got the game well in hand. And this man is just steaming still in the dugout. And for folks wondering why Tennessee has just been as dominant as they have been all year and why they're number one, I wrote about this today is like that's one of the reasons is they can be up 6 to 110 to one they treat the game the same way. The intensity doesn't really go anywhere from the top of the first to the bottom of the ninth. It doesn't. It doesn't really change, right?
2: No, you're right, and I think that's a great point. And that's something that I said, kind of entering the tournament this week, is that you know there's always a lot of debate. If you've locked up the super regional, regional host, why care about the SBC tournament? Why does it matter? And I think those thoughts got amplified with the rain, the the weather delays earlier in the week. And, look, coaches can dictate how hard you go after it with how they handle their pitching. But at the end of the day, you can put Drew Gilbert on the field in a rec game uh, with the four, three of us playing against him, and he's going to be doing everything in his power to absolutely destroy us. And mm-hmm. if the umpire gives one of us, one of us bums, a pitch two or three inches off the plate as a strike, he's going to lose his mind on the umpire, no matter if you're up 25 to nothing at the time against us. That's just his nature and that's the nature of a lot of guys in this team and you're right i think that's a really good point that's a big reason why tennessee's had so much success this year they only have one mode and that's foot foot like it was a cement block on the gas
0: yeah absolutely um ethan what are your expectations uh folks will hear this after tennessee plays lsu uh up until the 2 to 3 a.m time slot uh for the folks here on the east coast but uh, what are your expectations for Tennessee uh, against LSU tonight? What do you clairvoyant Ethan put on the hat? How does this game go tonight?
1: I mean, LSU is going to be getting another late one, right? It, yeah, I, I believe last night's game ended at like two o'clock in the morning or something like that. So those guys got to be tired, and they their reward for being tired is is the number one team in the nation that just. Beat the ever living life out of Vanderbilt 10 to 1. So, so I, I'd say you can see where my mind is going on this. I do think it'll be a lot closer. I, I don't, I, I think Tennessee at some point, I don't know if they will, but they might need to be humbled just a little bit moving forward. Uh, it's, it's never a good thing to just destroy opponents, I feel like, uh, heading into the regionals uh, specifically. But I, I mean, I'm, I'm going to guess that they're going to anyway, I'll say. Uh, 8 to 3, maybe Tennessee uh, uh, wins it. And we'll, we'll say it ends it at. at Twelve oh two. exactly. Okay.
0: Twelve oh two. Twelve oh
1: two. That's that'll be the ending time.
0: That's wild. Uh Ryan, um don't folks. I just I would love for that to be the case, but I'm I'm not holding my breath. This is all three hours. I'll game. say it'll be a fast one.
1: I'll say okay. it'll be a fast one.
0: We'll see. We'll see. Ryan, what do you oh. think?
2: I'll take Tennessee five to two. I mean, Chase Dolan, he's just been absolutely dominant since he mm. came back from his injury and it's hard to It's hard to bet against this Tennessee lineup when they have him on the bump, but LSU playing really, really good. I mean, their lineup, I had the stat on my Twitter earlier today, just like the last five games, but uh, they are averaging like 14 runs since they got swept by Ole Miss. And and that offense, I mean, we saw it even last year with some of the young guys they had at Dylan Cruz, Trey Morgan, really, really good. But uh, I think DoLander holds them at bay. And I'll tell you what, I'm just really, really, really looking forward to this matchup because Tennessee and LSU definitely have the two most fans in Hoover. So it should be, an electric environment uh, for a very, very late Friday night. So it should be a lot of fun.
0: All right, Ethan, what can the good folks check out from you from five-star preps this week?
1: Yeah, there's uh, coverage of the spring fling, obviously, by Five Star Preps, a little bit by me. I got rained out a little bit on Thursday. So There's some drama, to too. too. I much. saw
0: Five Star was tweeting out about the photographer issue. There's some drama. Yeah,
1: it was something with Gibbs Softball and, uh, and our good old Danny Parker over at Five Star Preps. But mm-hmm. but regardless, we'll have a lot of coverage from that. So go uh, check that out on dot com Twitter. There
0: you go. There you go. Ryan, what about you over at Rocky Top Insider?
1: Yeah,
2: everything you need to know about the SEC Baseball Tournament, we'll have you up to date and then uh, stuff is always on vescovy coming back in the basketball roster movement and a, a big recruiting weekend for the football team
0: there you go there you go Ethan Ryan congratulations y'all's first appearance on the podcast uh with your college diplomas in hand do you feel any different
2: I can't believe that was like five days ago it feels like <laughs> yeah it was two, it feels like it was two and a half weeks ago to be honest with you uh, with the travel and all the weather this week but no, no not too much different as of now.
0: There you go. There you go. Yep. Ethan, Ryan, always a pleasure. And I will talk to y'all next week.
2: Sounds great. All
0: right. That'll do it for part one here on the Saturday, May 28, 2022 edition of the Chase Thomas podcast. Thank you again to Ryan Schumpert and Ethan Stone for coming on this edition of the podcast. Go ahead and give them a follow and keep up with their work. Uh, after uh, listening to this very feed, if you like listening to Ryan and Ethan and myself on this podcast, and you have not already done so, make sure that you leave this show a five star rating and a review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify if that is how you're listening. So like and subscribe to our YouTube videos over at Chase Thomas Podcast on YouTube. Uh, check out the homepage, Chase Thomas Podcast.com. Subscribe to my writing. I uh, cannot emphasize that enough uh, as of right now. SportsRenaissanceMan.Substack.com. SportsRenaissanceMan.Substack.com. Type in your email, become a subscriber today. That easy, that simple. And uh, yeah, part two with the Atlanta Sports Guys coming up in just one second. Uncle Derek, how'd I do?
2: Nicely done, nephew. Chase Thomas Podcast, hell yeah.